Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 49 with our guest, Brianna Rooney. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, guys. Thank you for joining us. Welcome right into the studio. You're tuned into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Do you want to be rich? I mean, filthy rich. That is the very question our guest today not only asks of you, but that literally sums up her life motto. Imagine that. If you think money is the root of all evil, this episode is especially for you. Brianna Rooney is a fierce, I said fierce, passionate, and money-motivated entrepreneur. She owns Techies, which is a very successful recruiting firm for the last eight-plus years, and is the millionaire recruiter. We're going to unravel all of that. She has helped grow many tech-focused companies in the Bay Area. Highly sought-after software engineers is her specialty. She's a matchmaker in many ways, and she's got one heck of a story, including partying hard in her early 20s, <laughs> right? Leaving a six-figure <laughs> six job on the spot with no plan, but feeling empowered and fearless. And it seems to have all worked out. Let's connect all these dots and meet this fearless woman herself. Welcome. It's Brianna Rooney. What's going on, Brianna? Hey, Josh. How are you? Love the intro. I can hear it over. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, we will play it in loop then during the show. <laughs> really cool. Um, I, I love so much of this because we were talking before uh, going live here and I, I just love the whole concept of money and talking money and you saying, I want to be rich. I want to be filthy rich. The reason I love it is because I can, first of all, I can vibe with that. I never really say those words to myself, but I want the yacht. I want the mansion. Like I could, mm -hmm. I could get with that lifestyle. Yeah, why not, right? Yeah, no shame, right? But I do know, and I am aware that so many people have just this stigma around money. What is that about? What are we working with here? Gosh, I mean, when I was younger, it was like, you don't talk about religion, politics, or money. You know, that was all kind of summed in one. And it's so silly because it's something that everybody needs, everybody wants. And it's like, people are ashamed to want it because they're like, well, but there's, there's you know, all these kids that are hungry and it, it, that is all true. But guess what? Go get money and then go donate, go help them. Like money doesn't have to just be the yacht in the mansion. Yeah, sure. That's awesome. <laughs> Why not? But you can do so many things with it. And it's silly to think that it's evil. And, you know, you can look at, you want to really dig deep and why do marriages fail money, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's how people relate it to, but you know, it, it's just about the motivation, the drive and just wanting more for you and your family, I think is what's important. I think that uh, there's so much also the G word, right? We're going to talk greed. You think mm -hmm. too many people get hung up on that, that on and on. I can't want more than I need. Oh gosh, that's like, um, I think that 
it's silly to not want and to feel guilty about wanting is just, I mean, like I said, there's just so many things that you can do with it. Now I do think making money is addicting and I do see that how, you know, there's a lot of people yeah, that steal, for example, that embezzle money that could have stopped millions and millions of dollars ago and that have kept going and kept going until they get caught. So I can see there's like that, that um, addictive personality, but you can be addicted to anything. So, you know, I don't think that that's super evil. I just think it's how you use it and how it consumes your life. Because I think a work-life balance is very important and you have to put the family first. Um, but, you know, family needs money. Mm -hmm. And you're known as the millionaire recruiter. Tell me what that is. <laughs> well, you know, I've done, I've done recruiting for about 11 years and I've, made a fantastic living out of it. And I just want to like show people that you don't have to be a realtor. Cause I, I feel like, for example, like I, I now relate our field to the real estate industry. And I think that it's so silly that people are still like pouring all of this money and time into being a realtor. We're really like, that takes so much more effort and so many more connections and, you know, startup time, ramp money to start it up. We're like, you can go in this industry and go from zero to hero you know, far faster and far easier. And I just, and not to mention, like, we're really like helping people. Whereas a realtor can say, oh yeah, well, I'm helping people too. I'm starting them their lives or, you know, wh wh whatever it is. But I mean, think of the two things that are the most important to you. And people will say family and career and sometimes not in that order. So I feel like that's like a, a really like almighty kind of a, a power. It's really interesting. And I know you have both of those things, right? You have a family yeah. and career. Uh, where, which is first, which is second today? And was it always like that? Well, for me, I, a lot of people don't know. So my, uh, I got married about six years ago. So my legal name is Brianna Sanchez. And I decided to never change it professionally because I wanted to keep two personas going on and to kind of mind trick myself into... Uh, a work-life balance. So I'm brand Rooney at work and I'm money motive brand Rooney. And then I go home, pick up my kids and I'm Brianna Sanchez, you know, and I'm very family focused and oriented and I put them first. So I turn off work and then up, you can never turn off family. Right. So I was, that's why I always have my phone out. I'm not like rude and trying to like text and stuff when people are talking to me, but you always have to, you know, be focused of that. So I would say, that I am a mom first if I had to, if I had to pick, of course, but I don't think you have to pick. I think you'd be great at both. If I understand this correctly, uh, Sanchez is your married name? Yes. And Rooney is your maiden name? Yes, but I actually changed Rooney to my middle name. I got dropped my Marie. <laughs> and so I'm now Brianna Rooney Sanchez, but yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Great. Um, mm -hmm. and, and how is that? That's a fascinating concept that you go on your day to day thinking that I, I like that. But I guess for you, it helps you when you leave the house and you're at the office, you're in Rooney mode. That's mm -hmm. it. And that's who you yeah. identify with. That's the person you are. That's yep. that, as you said, money motivated individual. Right. Exactly. And that helps you do what? What does that mean? Money motivated? It helps me focus and be super efficient because, you know, once actually my little boy is going to turn five in like a couple days. So uh, once he was born, it really put things into perspective and it put time into perspective for me where it's like, you know, you can go around wasting a bunch of time and there's like this interesting report that's out basically saying, you know, how many hours a person truly works a day, you know, of good time. And it's so small. And so actually when I put my hours down to 28 hours a week, I was far more successful, which is insane. Isn't so, that amazing? Say that again, that um, so many people want to work 40, 60, 80 hours thinking that's going to be successful, but you're living proof that you reduced it to what now and have been more successful? 28 hours a week and more successful. Absolutely. So true. Yeah. How, mm -hmm. how, how is that possible? I know. <laughs> I think of that. And then I like kick myself. I kick the younger version of myself and be like, Dude, you know what you could have done? <laughs> you had all the time in the world. You could have done it, but it wouldn't have happened because when you're like pushed up against like a timeline or, you know, um, someone's like, really, you have to do something like really, really quick. All of a sudden you just go into survival mode. And I think that the survival mode is something people don't touch on enough. And that's where you really do good work.
And I think that's important. What is it? Survival mode. It's moving fast. It's doing things, you know, two or three, five things at once and just not thinking. I tell my employees all the time, stop thinking. And they're looking at me like, what are you talking about? They know what they're doing. They have to just do it. I think a lot of people spend a lot of mental time space instead of doing. They think they don't do. I, you said your, um, your boy, which is your um, oldest child, is turning five, right? Yeah, I can't believe it. And this is D, uh, Diego Danger, right? Diego Danger, and he's starting to appreciate his middle name, and I am so excited. <laughs> I, have, um, I, I also have two kids. My, my oldest is a five-year-old daughter, and I have a oh. three-year-old son, so I'm right there. I love the age. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love everything about it. Um, tell me about the middle name, Danger. Well, my husband's from Peru, so he has four names, and he doesn't like that. <laughs> he goes, I don't understand why I have so many names, and <laughs> I don't even understand the point of a middle name. And, you know, so it, since I, we needed something that, um, for his first name, his name is Diego, so we need something that translated in Spanish. And then so I said, well, Luis, you don't care about the middle name at all. He's like, no, who cares? I said, so I can just do whatever I want. <laughs> I go, okay, well, danger. He's like, what? I go, we're setting him up for his entire life. That's like one of the best scenes in, in a, uh, what's it called? Austin Powers. Austin Powers. I love it. So it actually is an Austin Powers reference? It is. <laughs> it is. And I love it. D have you done any research? Does it exist anywhere? Does anybody legally have the middle name Danger? I actually don't know. That's a good question. I, I hope not. <laughs> I hope. Well, I mean, even if there is, it's not a big meeting. I'll tell you no. that. There's going to be very few people in attendance there. It is. It is. I, I, I took a picture of his social security card. I'm like, see, it's real. <laughs> and people either love it or hate you for it, right? Oh, They're totally. like, you're out of your mind. Absolutely. When, uh, when I was having my second, we didn't find out the sex. And I was like, okay, if it's a boy, he has to be danger too. I mean, he's going to hate us otherwise. And so Luis was fighting with me and he's like, no, you have to give him a different name. I go, well, then it has to be spectacular or magnificent or something ridiculous. Right. It can't be Steve. No, exactly. I'm like, he would, he would hate us. And so and we ended up having a girl. <laughs> and her middle name? Is, it's, her name is Lima Ariel. Pretty. Yeah. Very, very pretty. Yeah. I, I was going to do something crazy, but then um, I ended up, um, my husband's from Lima, actually. And I was like, oh, I actually really like that because her name is going to be Ariel. And at the last second, boop, changed. So. Wow. You also, um, you also identify uh, yourself being fierce. What mm. is that? How does that come out? Sometimes scary to people. <laughs> I try not to be scary. No, I, I'm just very like passionate and I'm very like... I have like this little like um, like tiger inside me that just wants to come out and just you know like, like ah just just go for it. I I guess I so my mom used to give me a hard time about being impatient, and so I finally found a profession that I can be impatient and they appreciate it. So I think that that's kind of it. And I have just a ton of energy. I've never had a sip of coffee before in my life, and I just have all this like energy. Just go 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 go. And um, that's that's the fierce I think. I want to see how all this came about. Paint the picture for us, if you will. Bring us back to young Brianna as a young little girl. What was growing up life like for you? My mom was a tomboy, and so she didn't believe in the whole doll thing. So raised me the same, and I was actually the only girl in my family for a long time. Like my cousins and stuff, I was the only girl. I was the oldest out of, uh, well, I'm sorry, I'm like the second oldest, but they were the boys, and I was surrounded by boys. So uh, I always kind of got dirty and wrestled, and I have a, a, a brother that's about two years younger than me. And so, you know, we always had a really good time. My dad was like a, like a Disneyland dad, went to Disneyland all the time. So I've always embraced like my, my inner child, and I'm still like that. So I have like a couple different things. Like my husband makes a joke and says, you know, your life is, I learn everything I know from Walt Disney <laughs> because like all of my facts are like based on like Disney characters. So I'm very like, like kind of childish in that sense, but I am extremely rational. And I think that comes from my stepdad actually. And he is very black and white. 
Like it's, you know, there's, there's nothing in between. Um, I'm super blunt, but I also like my, both of my parents have like this crazy sense of humor, potty humor, the full shebang. So I've, I've, I've grew up with that too. And so, yeah, I grew up with just like a lot of, a lot of goodness, a lot of love, a lot of laughs. And I've been really fortunate. Where was this in California? You were born and raised? Yeah. Yeah. In Southern California. And I am actually back in the town that I was raised. I only left for a little bit. Which is where? Which is in Thousand Oaks. Is that near uh, San Francisco? No, that's no, I, no, it's in, it's in Southern California. Oh, Southern California. But, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm obviously East Coast. I know very little about, <laughs> I know where California is. I hope so. Yes. <laughs> and then the rest, I just have the plane get me there. Yeah. You just close your eyes and you, right. you're magically there. I right. get it. And then I Uber the rest and, and it works. I'm yeah. like, okay, I don't need the mental energy to know uh, more, more geography than that. So you were, um, you were raised in that environment. And what was, uh, what was schooling like? What kind of a student were you? Oh, that's actually funny. My mom always kicks herself. I was a very average student because my parents didn't expect anything more. They themselves, I guess, were average students. And so in my family, it was like, okay, great. Just get B's. If you get A's, fantastic. And uh, I always got got paid for my grades. I even got paid for my C's. <laughs> so I think that's kind of funny. You got paid cash for <laughs> for bring, for for basically bringing home the report card. Exactly, exactly. I was just not allowed to get D's or F's. That was all that was required of me. Yeah. So they were paying you to be uh, an average student, which They're is wonderful. They're paying me to be mediocre. Yeah. yeah. Here, strive for this. Uh, go for it. <laughs> And that's amazing. So do you think that, do you think that payment is sort of what lit the fire in, ooh, money? Is that, is that sort of where it began? That's a good question. You know what? I think my dad was always talked about money. He was a big time like newspaper reader. He'd always even like when I, when I left house, he would always like send me articles and stuff like that. So, and he used to trade commodities just like on the side and he got me like my own account and I would tr trade like orange juice and, you know, gold or wh whatever it was at the time. And I always got like super excited about it, but I don't, I, I mean, I don't know if that's where it started, but yeah, it was just kind of like one of those things where they both had their own business. And I just knew that one day I'd have my own business and that I was just going to go into sales and that was it. And everybody you included thought, um, I'll, I'll be successful somehow, some way at some time. Yeah. You know what? My, I have a, I have a little brother who's 13 years apart from me and I started taking him to Disneyland when he was about, well, it was five. So every, every year on his birthday, he's going to be actually 21 in April and he's gone with me every single year for his birthday. So it's been really cool. We have a great relationship. And we used to always say when we were younger, oh, well, when we're billionaires, we're going to start our own Disneyland. It's going to be called VIP land. Da, da, da. So I don't know even how that came about, but I mean, I've always told him, yeah, no, like, no problem. Like whatever you need, we'll, we'll buy that. And he's always believed me. Like I kind of thought it was like our game we used to play. And now that he's older, he's like, okay, so like how far away are you from a billionaire? <laughs> okay. Kind of far. <laughs> So yeah, I, I don't know. It's like really, it's really interesting. Just kind of making his life. What know? is his scenario these days? I mean, he's, yeah. uh, he, he's quote unquote only 21. So he's just getting started, but what is his deal? Yeah. Not a great deal right now. He's changing his path. He, this is kind of funny. He, we called him the smart one. He was the smart one in our family yet. He is on a totally different path. Like I think that his age group is going to have a really hard time and where they're like expected to go to college and that it's not an option anymore. It's just, you have to do this. You have to do that. And that's what he thought. And he went for all the wrong reasons and he got, he left. He left after the first year and was just kind of like totally lost. Like his mind was just like, poof, like, I don't even know what happened. And he's just on paper, the smartest one. So you, it goes to show like the different, you know, street smart versus book smart. So I don't, I don't even know how that happened because we all, I, I mean, that's my stepdad who I told you, you know, motivates me the most is his real dad, you know? So it's like, how does, how does that disconnect happen? It's kind of crazy. Mm. And he actually lived with me for a little bit after he left college 
And I kind of was like, okay, let me get you into recruiting. This is what I do for a living. Like, let's do this. And he's like, oh no, I'm going to be a sports trainer. I'm going to, you know, go work at the, for the Lakers. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But let's, you know, maybe have something in the meantime. And he fought me, fought me, fought me. And then I came up with my book and stuff and I had him read it. Cause like, he's kind of like that demographic. He's the age that I started doing this. Well, almost. And so I said, all right, read this. Dude, this is motivate you. And all of a sudden it was like, like, he's like, oh my gosh, can I do recruiting? I go, I've been telling you. <laughs> what was the book? Uh, it is, um, here, let's see what I got. It's the millionaire recruiter. They get rich with no experience. And uh, it was just basically, I've been asked a lot, like, how did I get started? Because I went to fit I went to fashion school. I had no experience of not, you know, educated by the formal mindset here. And um, so I just basically put it all down in a book and made it really super easy. I had read the Grant Cardone book. The, I forget what it's called, but it's like his little pamphlet basically where he has the same, you know, theory of money. Like, why are we not talking about money? This is silly. And so I got really inspired by it and I'm like, you know what? I need to tell my story. And there's so many, the recruiting industry is a ginormous industry that is still somehow a secret. So I kind of wanted to just get it out there and help because I was watching my brother have issues and he shouldn't have issues. So it, that was, again, how, how that, that kind of transformed as well. And then at the same time, we were having our clients say, hey, can you please train our recruiters really quickly? Can you do like some crash course or come help us out? We need help. And so I started doing that. And then that's how I got you know, Emily and Ben involved. And then they started, you know, traveling as well and, and doing that, but it got very time consuming. It took away from like our core business, even though that was still good money and it was good exposure and stuff. And then that's how like our e-course was born and say, all right, let's just let's automate ourselves because let's be efficient. We teach efficiency, <laughs> let's be efficient. So that's how this all kind of came together. So backtracking a little bit, you college aged, you were looking uh, to be some fashion designer and that's what you went to school for. Yeah. So like I said, I always want to be an entrepreneur. So I didn't want to be a designer per se. I wanted to have my own store and I wanted half of the stuff to be mine and half of the stuff to be designers. I thought were really cool. Interesting. Yeah, so I went to school for that, graduated and realized Hmm. Oh, I need money to do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> you need money for everything. So yeah. And then I was like, okay, think, 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 think. How can I get fast money? Okay. I'll go work at a bar. Hmm. Super fun. Not a fantastic idea. But, uh, then I was like, okay, think, 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 think. I need a real job. I need a real job sales. So that's where I ended up. And it was just, I completely stumbled upon recruiting. Didn't even know what it was. What happened when you were 24? What's pivotal, pivotal about that age? So for some reason, so I've always had goals, like, you know, like every, you know, the re resolutions or whatever, I've always written things down as to what I want to accomplish every single year. I actually have the post-its from way back when, and I kind of like look at them, all right, did I do that? You know, what, what are we doing here? And so for some reason I had it in me that I was going to open up my own business at 24. I didn't know. I mean, at the time I thought it was going to be fashion, right? But I was 23 recruiting and I remember turning 24. I'm like, ah, oh, well, you know, whatever. I'll make it, you know, I'll make a new goal. I'll push it back a little bit, you know, who knows. But then it just kind of hit me when I was recruiting that the company I was working for wasn't really teaching it the right way. And it hit me that this isn't just something I can make a lot of money at. This is very powerful and it should be taught as so. And the practice of a normal recruiter was to spam out resumes and just, you know, not care or just, we just got to fill these really quickly. Who cares? We're going to get paid like all this stuff. Right. That was the mentality. And then something bigger happened in the office. And I was like, eh -eh, that's not sitting very well with me. My conscience kind of got in the way and I walked out and that was it. Hmm. And my, my, my boss goes, um, what? Cause I was, I was the, um, the top loser as they call it, uh, in the office for a while. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, do you have another job? I go, nope. He's like, mm. he didn't believe me of course. Cause who, who just walks out and I uh, go, no, I just, I'm not okay with this. And he goes, okay, let me figure this out. Don't do anything. It was a Friday. It's like, don't do anything. I will get back to you Tuesday by noon. I'm like, all right, cool. Partied the weekend. I was like, yeah, look what I did. Woohoo. 
so cool. And then Tuesday came and went, actually, I went to a Laker game with my stepdad. I think it was on Sunday. And he's like, just talking to me about things. My mom was crying. How could you do this? You have to leave. You know? And my stepdad goes, um, is there anything he does that you can't do for yourself? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I go, well, I guess not. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> On the surface, no. And he's like, okay, that's just an option. I go, yeah, okay. But thinking, no, he's my boss is going to call me on Tuesday. I'm just going to go back and it's super easy and whatever. He didn't call me. So Wednesday morning, I'm like, well, here we go. And I opened Techies. And Wednesday at noon, he called me and I go, sorry, too late. <laughs> I already got my LLC. <laughs> okay. I I love this so much. I want to um, I want to unravel some of this and just reiterate some of it. So um, that Friday, something clicked into the into the workings that you were involved in with the spamming of the resumes and just the energy and the vibe and the practices of that company. And you're like, I, I I I I just can't get with this anymore. I'm gonna go. Yeah. Having no real future, no real path. You you leave. Your boss says, Whoa whoa whoa, go have the weekend. I'm going to call you Tuesday. You said, fine. Secretly, if I understood you correctly, you assumed in the back of your mind, he'll call you by Tuesday. You'll work something mm -hmm. out and you'll come back and, and that'll be that. Totally. Yeah. He, he didn't. Mm -hmm. The idea was planted that, Hey, is there anything he's doing that you can't do? It was planted. He did not call by Tuesday. And by Wednesday, you were up and running with techies. It's just amazing how life operates like that consistently, consistently. The one thing your stepdad said to you, the fact that your um, old boss or your then boss didn't call in the time frame he set for whatever reason. It's just like, isn't life miraculous like that? Uh, it's super interesting. And I'm a big believer in luck. And I actually researched it to be like, because everyone's like, luck's not real. You know, and I'm like, I, I don't know. Um, we, here at, at work, we do what's called the learning rainbow. Uh, like every, every Thursday, not every Thursday anymore, but you know, like maybe like once a month where someone can bring whatever topic they want and teach the class. And so I wanted to research luck and I did, and there's ginormous studies about it. Super interesting. And luck is really like, there's all of these opportunities in life and the person that is optimistic and therefore think lucky, they just take them and they don't wait. Like I was talking about, don't think. Like, I don't think too often. I just, I do. And I just always go, what's the worst thing that can happen? If I fall straight on my face, I fall straight on my face. Like, so what? I can always get back up. So yeah, it's, it's, it, life is super interesting. What have you learned about luck? Because uh, I've, uh, I've heard the, the typical definition that luck is uh, preparation and timing and that sort of a thing, that there's no such thing as luck. It's all, mm -hmm. so uh, where do you stand? So there is, first of all, I'm like very like smile focused. I think that no matter how you feel, if you smile, you're not only making other people feel good, but you're feeling good. And it's like, you know, goes back and forth. But so there was a study, one study in particular that really caught my eye and I can't remember the exact details of it, but let's just say they had 50 people and they have this booklet and they first ask, okay, who thinks they're lucky? Who thinks they, they aren't, you know, and the class was split. Let's just say 25, 25, right? And they go through and they say, okay, we want you to tell me how many times the word lucky comes in this, in this book, count it out. And they go, okay, but you only have one minute to do it. And if you, if you get it right, we'll give you, let's say a hundred dollars. Okay, great. So people are like frantically, frantically looking. Well, the lucky people pick up on signal. And inside this book, there was something that just said, there's lucky in here 62 times. Just go to the end. And, right. and the person that is optimistic and believes in whatever, just closes the book and they're done. They get their $100. And the people who are like frantically going through and they're trying to count and they're doubting themselves, that's a big thing. They're doubting themselves and they lose it. And then it shows the study continues going on that same theory, but each time they up the amount of money they're going to give away. And that's how people trickle away because all of a sudden it's becoming more and more serious. Therefore they're clouding their minds with the opti uh, optimistic that they were in the beginning. 
So when you have nothing to lose, it's like easier. But then as you have more things to lose, it's like, you know, people shut down. So it was really, that was really interesting. And there's also this other in that same, that same um, story. There was this person that uh, was in New York and uh, just kind of like out, out of his luck and or had like this diamond, I think he has, yeah, he had a diamond store and wanted to know what to do, where to take it. He was super stressed all the time. He's walking down and he thinks he sees Warren Buffett. And he's like, oh my God, like I, this is like, this is a moment. This, I literally was just asking myself what to do. There's no one better to ask than Warren Buffett himself. He's right here. I have to ask him what to do with my business. I just have to. And a, a, someone that is optimistic and lucky, considers himself lucky, just goes for it. So he just want, goes up to him, starts telling him about his business, his problems, all that stuff. You know, long story short, Warren Buffett buys his business and he's the most popular diamond store in, you know, in the United States. Um, but I can't think of that, the name of it. But yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's life. And that's taking that opportunity and just running with it and just doing whatever, whatever you feel like. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm fascinated by all facets of life in that regard that, uh, you know, there's, it's all there. It's just, mm -hmm. what are you seeing uh, to, to embrace and to, mm -hmm. to, to indulge with? I started the top of the show talking about your, what you call your life motto. Mm -hmm. I will be rich. I will be filthy rich. Tell me all about that, please. Yeah, I came up with this motto actually very, very recent, maybe like a year, year and a half ago. I don't even know what hit me, but it's just like, I just need that extra push. And last year hit and I'm like, you know what? I just need to really shake it up. You know, like whenever I get comfortable, I don't do as good a work uh, in any, in any facet of my life. So I always need to make myself uncomfortable. I think that's where I really strive. And so I... Uh, this will be quick. I despise running. I think it's silly that people run. I love exercising, but I hate running. And I always laugh when I see people run. I'm like, oh God, what torture. So I've never really ran over a mile. I've probably run a mile like a couple times. Well, I decide, you know what? I'm going to do a marathon. What is the one thing in the entire universe people would never believe that I would do? A marathon. So I call up my husband and I say, Hey, uh, you want to do a marathon with me? He's like, no, <laughs> what are you talking about? You've never, you don't, even, you don't run. You don't you, No, we're not doing that. I go, okay, well, I'm going to do it. He's like, oh my God, sign me up then whatever. And I go, and I'm not going to train. He's like, what do you mean? You're not going to train. I go, I would like to prove that mind over matter wins every time. He's like, you are crazy. So I did not train. We only, <clears throat> sorry, my voice. Oh no, my voice is leaving me. Hold on. <clears throat> um, we only like the week before or something. And I mean, I got the right shoes and you know, all that, the stuff you're supposed to do. Uh, the, the week before, maybe two weeks, I ran five, uh, we went five miles. I did 30 seconds, 30 seconds, you know, and I was like, like, wow, never ran five miles before in my life. Okay, great. Marathon comes. I finished. I did it. And that was like one of those moments. And so that's when I had come up with, I'll be rich, filthy rich. And for whatever reason, when I say that to myself, there's like this little soldier inside that goes, it just keeps running and running and running. And at like most hardest times of my life, regardless of the situation, whether it's personal or professional, I say that over and over again. And it just gets my focus back. It's just, I don't know it's powerful for me. I think everyone should have their life motto regardless of what there is, but it just needs to, you know, kind of hold you together. And that's what did it for me. So that's what I repeat all the time. There's a, there's a theme I'm noticing a couple of times here. Uh, and, and, it, and, and it came up uh, earlier with the dialogue between you and your younger brother with when we are billionaires, we're going to have our own Disneyland. So there's something to be said, correct me if I'm wrong, in the thinking and growing rich aspect of, of life. You, you uh, subscribe to that theory. Absolutely. You have to just say that this is what's going to happen. I am going to do this. Not that, oh, I want to, to finish a marathon. No, I am going to finish this marathon. Nobody thought I could 
at all, which I actually love. <laughs> I love proving people wrong. But yeah, that's just like a small, you know, like example of how truly powerful you are if you just allow yourself. I think that's important. Why is there such a taboo around the dialogue of money? We were talking about this earlier before we went on the air. Tell me about your thoughts. I think that people, well, with money, gosh, money, money is, <laughs> I love money. Uh, money is interesting because it's like asking someone what they make is so insulting, you know? And it's like, I, I, I don't understand. I have to ask someone what they make all day, every day. You know, it's, it's, I think relevant to their next job. Now it's not like a lot of people are like, well, I'm getting underpaid. That's fine. What are you, what are you making? What are we talking here? You know, let me help work, work with you. Let me figure it out if you are underpaid or maybe you're just not as great at your job as you are. So, I mean, that's, that's a whole other tangent that I can go into. And in the beautiful state of California, they have now decided to put a stop to companies are no longer allowed to ask people their salary. So that's a whole interesting thing that I, I don't agree with, but it is what it is. And, um, but you know, as, as far as money and, you know, even like my, my best friend, just a couple years ago, she would finally tell me what she made. And it was like this weird thing that she couldn't talk about. But then when she needed my help negotiating for a new job recently, she was like, I go, what are you making? Well, you know, like, like six figures, uh, what, like 700,000 or a hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 Big range. Like, come on. You know, and not to mention, it's like, I am, I've known her almost my entire life and she felt weird talking about it. That's how big of a taboo it is. And I am so happy that Visa is doing this giant advertisement about saying, Hey, Let's talk about money. Let's get it out there. What do you need? What are you making? Everyone, there's all these things happening all over the country with, you know, uh, the, um, the minimum wage is going up, especially in California. Uh, we have a restaurant. And so my husband has to deal with that, you know, big time. That's really hard. But it's like, if we don't talk about these things and get it out there, then all of a sudden people are, you know, going into any restaurant for that matter. And, oh my gosh, look how much it is for this sandwich. Well, guess what? Minimum wage went up. Therefore, this went up and that went up. And, the, you know, so it's like if we're like not talking about those things, people get really like all worked up and upset about it. And it's like, why are we upset about it? If you would just get your feelings and thoughts out there, then it's not an, it's not an issue. You only make it an issue if you don't talk about it. As a recruiter, it seems like you're on the front lines to, uh, to perhaps best answer this question. Do you find that part of this is a self-worth issue? Absolutely. There are so many people that don't feel worthy, that eat themselves up inside. And if you are not your biggest cheerleader, you are going to have so many issues in life in general. And it's definitely salary will be one of them. Do you have any idea how we can overcome that? If somebody I, is aware that, hey, I, I'm, I, I'm cutting myself short because I, I have self-worth issues or esteem issues. Yeah. So, I mean, the only best thing is you have to fake it till you make it. You have to keep telling yourself that until you believe it. Like, um, I also just, I just completed a, a Tough Mudder, which I was super scared about, more scared than the marathon. Uh, it's, it's, have you heard of a Tough Mudder? Uh, sort of tell me it's kind of like a, a Spartan race, but yeah. you know, you're in the mud, you're doing these yes. insane obstacles yeah. and it, a lot of upper body and stuff like that. And I was very scared to do it. I just did a few weeks ago and I was like, okay, I have to wrap my mind over this because if I go into this terrified, I will never, like, I will not finish. I will not be able to get over these obstacles that scare the bejesus out of me, you know? And so I, I had to tell myself over and over again, I will do this Tough Mudder. I will complete this Tough Mudder. I will be fine doing this Tough Mudder. I mean, I'm not joking. I would say that like 25 times a day, especially when I was working out and like looking in the mirror, I'd say it. And I, I just couldn't get over my, the fear of doing this. And finally, two weeks before the Tough Mudder, I come into work and I'm like twirling around and I'm like, all right. I can do it. I'm going to do the Tough Mudder. And they're like, yeah, we know you're, you're going to do it. I'm like, no, no, no. But I really know I'm going to do it. It was so funny. Like my mind finally like agreed with me, but it took a long time. And I think that that is true in so many aspects of life. Like 
your mind is your one barrier. It has to be your biggest cheerleader. And if you can't get it there, you're just, I mean, there's nothing you can do. Let's bring that to this, to this topic uh, of fear specifically. The hidden entrepreneur is all about um, how fear has kept me back for decades. And now I've been able to uh, work to overcome that with specific specific habits and, and actions for you personally, can you share with us a time uh, where, where you, you were just confronted with a fear you knew existed and you could have gone one of two ways? Yeah. So I had a business partner for seven years. So Techies has been in business for almost 10. And uh, there's been times that I wanted to separate and, and buy him out and whatnot. Uh, many, many times, <laughs> but uh, I never did it. And I was fearful of a couple reasons, but I think the main one was I had felt that I was operating this on my own, or at least having the majority, you know, load. And I was like, okay, well, once I do finally part ways, I'm really only doing it. So after that split, the split wasn't as scary. It was the aftermath of the split. And the way we did it was because uh, we originally had this non-compete, which basically like if I bought him out, he's not allowed to recruit for two years or open up his own recruiting company. And I waived the non-compete and I said, go for it. And in fact, you can go right out there. We can have a meeting with our staff. We had 15 people at the time. You can have a meeting and you can convince whoever you'd like to go with you. And that was pretty crazy. I could have been really stupid. <laughs> and um, it worked out in my favor, definitely. He only took um, one with him. Uh, well, we had set, so he took two and I had my set two and then the rest were to choose. Um, and so, yeah, so that was awesome. And then after that though, like after that, I felt was a big win. We, uh, I was, I was nervous because I knew that if I didn't continue to make techies grow and be successful and have everyone in my office, you know, who believed in me to stay, didn't help them be successful, then I'm, I failed. Like then I just messed up. And so I feel like, you know, you could use people or things as crutches in life. And I was done using that and I wanted to walk on my own. And I did it. And our very first year free from all of that was our best year we've ever had. So, and then we've continued every single year, we, you know, we've done better. So now it's been a little over two and a half years and it's, it's been fantastic. But that I was, I was super fearful and I just had to get over the fear. So that happened in, um, in like a, a mid, mid June or the end of June. Oh, uh, what year? Two, two and a half years ago. And we got through that, that six months, but it was kind of, wasn't somber, but it was like a different focus and the fun was sucked out of it a little bit. Cause in sales, I, I very much believe in, you know, you play hard, you, you know, you enjoy those highs because there's a lot of lows. And so the, the new year, um, with the new year, I redid the office. I brought an alcohol. <laughs> Oops. Uh, I, I did all of these, these things to enhance and bring back really, I think the soul that was techies and that I believe in. And after that, it was like, you know, but it, it took me getting over my fear and my, um, I guess that I had like shackles almost. Like I felt like, like I really owed them, them something. And that I had to prove it to them and myself and all these things. And I just got rid of that. It was, the fear was not productive. The fear is never productive. Was there ever a time in your life or career when you were aware or even looking back that you're playing it small? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, you actually, I, I went through it this year. So there's been a few di different directions I've wanted to go and things that I wanted to do within recruiting. Uh, like I want to build my own database. So, you know, th there's, there's lots of stuff, but I always felt that when I tried to add a different direction that my own personal recruiting business went down and it was at a point where I still very much recruit and I was always the leader 
and I very much believe in being a, a manager that that leads by um, by example. And so I always got really hard on myself for that, that if I decided to take and grow the business and do other things and have a, a better end game, that would it would affect our day to day. And since we work on it, like a, we work on commission, of course, well, we affect each other's commission because we're it's a team setting. And so I always felt that that was affecting other people's like livelihoods. So I would never go like that direction. But then when the training started, the millionaire recruiter thing started, you know, it, it, it all takes time and it's, you know, time well spent, but it was, it, it was a very difficult transition, I think, to just be like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm going to take you all with me. And this is, you know, you guys are leaders in this industry and I want it to be known. I think it's time. Hmm. I love that. Looking back on your younger self, my goodness, have you come a long way. What, <laughs> yeah. what advice would you give that person? My younger self? Oh, I would have put myself out there a long time ago. Like I, I lived by the fact, so at, for my, my first recruiting job, they were very much like, don't share your secrets. You're really good. And you keep those in. Mm. And it was never about paying it forward. And I did not like that. And so I've completely, I mean, that's completely changed. That was changed a long time ago. But even when it comes to like getting recommendations and stuff like that, it was a very secretive, oh, you're not supposed to get recommendations. Because once you have recommendations, recruiters can go on your, your LinkedIn and they'll see what companies you work with and like all this stuff. You know, it was like this, like, I don't know why everything's a secret. And so I wish I would have put myself out there a long time ago mm. where it was like, I, it was kind of hidden where, I mean, just like the industry itself is hidden. And I think that if I would have just said, Hey, I'm Brianna Rooney, this is techies. This is what we're all about a long time ago. We would have, we would be totally different. And now I'm, and you know, the last year and a half or so I've finally said, look, here's our secrets doesn't have to be a secret. You guys can do a good job too. There's plenty of business in the industry and it needs to be known that we're the best at it. You want to learn from us? Great. There you go. Mm. Absolutely spectacular. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? Absolutely. That was easy. <laughs> oh, check. <laughs> Next. Yeah. Yep. I am a giant believer in karma and things happen for a reason. Absolutely. I'm huge karma. All right. Very cool. Are you spiritual or religious in any ways? Mm, I grew up Catholic, went to a Catholic school for a bit until I was like in sixth grade or something. But I do not feel like I have found somewhere, a church or not, that truly accepts everyone, like really not judgmental at all. I have not found that. I have not found that where, and I feel like it should also be fun. I also believe that with funerals. I don't know why everyone wears black and, you know, like I don't understand that. I think we should be celebrating life and having a party or, or doing the thing that that person loved to do. I would sign I, up for that personally. I'd say, yes, I'll, I'll check that box. You have my permission to, to celebrate and do that. I know. It's, you know what? By the way, that's a business. Yes, <laughs> that that's a business. And uh, what you're saying actually does exist, right? That people have these celebration of life events in replace of a traditional funeral, right? They do, but it's not often. And right. when you think of it like that, it just kind of like triggered my business mind for a second. Go ahead. Wait a minute. We could really start something here because it doesn't exist in an organized manner. What doesn't? Um, celebrations of, cause you know, when, when someone dies, you contact, you know, the cemetery and the, the, that, the home and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. it's like this awful, you know, process when, when you think about it, there should be something more fun and more set up. Like, you know, like you have, you have, um, anniversary parties, you have weddings, you have like venues and stuff for that. Why aren't people focused a little bit more on celebration of life parties? And you're saying the business that doesn't exist is um, a service entity that will help you organize and facilitate this. Yeah, exactly. And especially at one of the hardest times, it's hard to think, okay, I'm going to celebrate. Mm -hmm. So someone needs to help with that. And I think that right. that's actually an interesting job. Yeah. And this isn't to negate any of the grieving process. It's just the 
the um, the physical replacement of the funeral we're talking about. Right. And so, but actually, this is interesting because it's happening today, but you know, my husband is, is a chef and, and has the restaurant and he does a lot of caterings and actually he's at a funeral today doing a catering and people call and, and just do whatever you want. You know, like they, they don't want to think about it. They have a hundred people coming, you know, it's happening within three days, but think about if there was a site to help you facilitate this as a, a the caterers, the you know, um, decorations, but you know, if someone to help you with the pictures or wh- wh- whatever it is, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever you want that celebration to be, if someone would to help facilitate that, I think that would be, um, really right. amazing. Nobody wants to deal with that. And we need to like, like we're identifying, um, identify, okay. So we don't call them decorations. What do we call them? <laughs> yeah, we, need, right. uh, we, we need the industry vocabulary meeting yeah. one, right? Okay. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I, I th- actually think it's a great idea. Funny enough, my next question, what do you believe happens when it's all over, when our time here on earth comes to an end? I think that I believe in reincarnation. (laughs) I don't, I don't really know, but I always thought, so I had um, a godfather who passed, so I was very, 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 very close with, he passed away when I was seven and I actually remember him very well. And right before he passed away, because he knew he had AIDS, he knew he was dying. He, um, I always wanted a cat. And my, my parents would refuse to get me a cat. There are no animals. No, they used to breed dogs, but they didn't want to do that anymore. So I begged and begged. And I remember being in the pool and my godfather coming down with a, with a kitty, with a kitten. And he gave it to me before he passed. And I believed that he was in that cat. My cat lived for like 20, 21 years, was the coolest cat ever, was like a person. And I just believed that he lived through the cat. I don't know. Fine. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I will leave you with this final question. Brianna Rooney, how would you like to be remembered? Oh, wow. I hope, okay, th- this is interesting. So whenever I read up on like, like fierce leaders and very, very, very successful people, they're always kind of a jerk. And I always, I always have like this theory, like I need to be meaner. I need to be more stern and like, really like, like I need to be confrontational. Um, but I'm just, I although that. I don't mind confrontation, I, I'm definitely different in that aspect where I believe, I hope people remember me as someone that pushed them to believe in themselves and pushed them to be a better person and more successful. I hope that that's, that that's how people remember and that I always led by example. Well, you've certainly proven so much of that through this dialogue. Brianna Rooney, thank you so much for opening up, sharing your stuff, sharing your success, sharing your views on money and making it uh, easier to, uh, to digest for all of us. Really cool having you on today. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. And I, <laughs> and I appreciate everybody tuning in as well. If you got an ounce of wisdom and we hope you do did do something with it don't just keep it to yourself put it out there into the world make one small step forward we're going to make another small step forward with another episode not too far behind you know the drill until we do go get them thanks for listening to the hidden entrepreneur show make sure to subscribe through itunes or google play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode and we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on itunes finally follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with josh carey and today's guest until next time this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.